This podcast is proud to be sponsored by DVD Netflix. Hey, this is Jen Johans at FilmIntuition.com and FilmIntuition on social media and Letterboxd. And this is Watch with Jen. This week, I'm honored to be joined by not one, but two brilliant screenwriters, Larry Karaszewski and Daniel Waters. Larry Karaszewski and his writing, directing, producing partner, Scott Alexander, are best known for writing unusual true stories, such as the films Ed Wood, The People vs. Larry Flint, Man on the Moon, Autofocus, Big Eyes, Dolomite is My Name, and the hit television miniseries, The People vs. O.J. Simpson, American Crime Story. The team has won Emmys, Golden Globes, Producers and Writers Guild Awards. Additionally, Larry is also a former governor and vice president of the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts and Sciences. Born in Ohio and raised in Indiana, Daniel Waters is the Edgar Award-winning screenwriter of the 1988 (laughs) cult classic Heathers, starring Winona Ryder and Christian Slater. Additionally, the man who wrote or co-wrote the films Batman Returns, Hudson Hawk, The Adventures of Ford Fairlane, Demolition Man, and more. He's also the writer-director of Happy Campers and Sex and Death 101. Larry and Dan, I want to thank you so much for being here today to join me in talking about movies. How are you doing and how has this year been treating you? Um, This has been, I'm doing okay. This has been an extremely strange year just because... uh, Yeah. Dad and I tend to keep very, very busy, and we've been, you know, Dan and me and my writing partner, Scott, have been on strike since April, and um, uh, we take that very seriously. So it's been one of those things where it's it's just, uh, it kind of feels a bit like COVID Part 2, where just, like, your lives, here's another gigantic interruption for another year that, quote-unquote, will not count in terms yeah. of the, making films or, or creating product. Um, and so it's been kind of just kind of strange, you know, kind of like, uh, it's almost like, I wish I was, I wish I was 10 years older. So I could have like retired in, in, in 2019 and not have to kind of worry about it. I feel like, you know, uh, uh, you know, there's, there's always those, those like, uh, sports figures who, who feel like they got, um, uh, you know, they they those years we boycotted the Olympics or something where like that was supposed to be my year, you know. So mm-hmm. you know, a little bit like that. So like the summer of George, kind of like in Seinfeld. This was gonna be the summer of George. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Dan? Yeah, I'm I'm ready to talk about Michael Ritchie, but I was <laughs> but I I the question was I've been listening to I told Jen I've been listening to some past past episodes <laughs> and like Oh no! The question I'm dreading is, how was your year? How's your year been? That's the question I'm most <laughs> dreading. Like, uh, hey, let's talk about Michael Ritchie. <laughs> well, no, but I, I, I've still been, <laughs> I've been creative in a vacuum, which was creative in a vacuum, which is which applied to the years before the strike too. But I, <laughs> um, called the two thousands. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But uh, hopefully, hopefully, I'm. Something's. I've been. I've been inspired. Um, but let's see what happens. I've been like. I think I told you. I've been tooling around with a novel. We'll see what happens. But either you never hear from me, or I'll come back with a masterpiece. Yeah, I, I'm leaning towards Dan coming back with a masterpiece because I've, 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 I've read his novel in various states, and so uh, it's actually pretty incredible. So if you're Nebraska, Arkansas, 
<laughs> so if I'm you uh, if you own a publishing company out there, you gotta see goddamn waters, you know. Yeah. So also, your audience awesome. should know that Dan. I mean, Dan and I have known each other since how old were you when Dan when we met? Oh God, I guess I was sixteen. Love, love at first bite was the first movie we saw together with George Hamilton and. Yep. It was wow. love at first sight at love at first bite. So you guys were like sixteen. <laughs> Yeah, we're in Indiana. We went to high school together. Well, well, Larry was in a locally produced TV show that, like, Saturday Night Live, like, second SCTV, that was made up of high school students, written, directed, and produced by high school students that I eventually became a part of. But Larry, I knew Larry as like a star. He was like, it was like being friends in high school with Belushi. That's awesome. And you wrote something for your paper because you wound up using stories of true high school. Uh, yeah, I've I've always I you know I've always been the writer, like in high school and everything. Yep. Always you know ne never been bullied because I'm I'm you know they like my jokes so it's been good. They used to have a good sense of humor. Yeah. Yeah, no, Dan was always like, he said it perfectly. He always was the writer. So I was on that that comedy TV show and I was, you know, I, I insisted Dan get involved, you know, and so Dan did get involved. And and that TV show kind of changed all, everyone who got near changed their lives. Um, but then I moved out to Los Angeles to try to make it in Hollywood and I dragged Dan out to come to Hollywood and Dan actually had, you know, did, you know, did, did Heather's uh uh you know kind of like put put him on a on an artistic map but long before that long before scott and i we were still trudging along in like family comedy problem child bill so then then was the coolest guy you know we knew for for quite a bit i, I wish love that home. story yeah those and are the days those are the days our salad days your salad days yeah. yeah. And then you guys both wound up working for Tim Burton and it's just kind of full circle. Yeah. Yep. Still friends. I love that. And so that was your first movie you saw together. Are there any like stories you remember of movies that together you guys really bonded over or favorites that you went back to the theater to see several times? I mean, Dan and I have seen, I, maybe you have a story, Dan and I have seen so many movies together. There's nobody I've seen movies with more than Dan. I mean, he still comes over and will watch two or three films. I mean, I know, I know a movie that we bonded over recently uh, was, um, you know, sometimes we'll, we'll, we'll come over to watch a specific movie. And Dan doesn't. Well, we have something called The Pile, which Larry makes a movie pile. There's always like, usually it's a unknown richard benjamin movie <laughs> or like it's really it, it, yeah look doesn't look good yeah know? it's sort of like it's a movie we put on for our second or third film because we know that we're old dudes who might conk out when now that it's yeah 12 30 at night or something um and recently we did that and it was a movie that neither of us had ever heard any good buzz or and very little buzz period and it had a completely ridiculous title called like dealing or the Berkeley to Boston, Boston to Berkeley, 40 brick bag blues. And uh, it, I think the only reason in our piles, because I, I have a fetish for Barbara Hershey. I think she's like one of the greats of all time. And she had a role in it. And so we put it on. And like 10, 15 minutes in, I think Dan turned to me and was like, is this as great as I think it is? And we're like, oh shit. So we were like, we were like just so energized that night that we thought we'd stumbled onto like a, you know, a lost 70s classic. Yeah, it makes awesome. 20 bad movies in a row worth it. Just yeah. to get that one. 
like I think the first movie that night was the uh, was um shoot the Odessa file. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. With and the the intrusive score, we watched that in my pandemic movie club, and like oh, yeah. we went off. Or no, wait, no, that's a different one. But yeah. Oh, this one has, uh, has and great... after we woke up, we watched another one. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> I mean, that movie Odessa file is so weird. He, he puts on this old man makeup, and like you're just waiting for characters like. Hey, what are you wearing that makeup for? <laughs> <laughs> but it does have a really good. You said you mentioned music from some other film, but it does have a great Christmas song uh, um, uh, done by Perry Como that is kind of uh, both creepy and touching at the same time. Yeah, in my head, I immediately jumped to the Anderson tapes, and I don't know why. Okay, but I think because we were talking about well, that it's, it's uh, those titles, I can't yes. stand Red Force kind of t- you know the. Um, yeah. The port, uh, the you know, the Odessa files, the the you know, the, the there's that always- era of like the Macintosh yeah. Man and yeah. those kind of movies. Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> Has any have you seen the Macintosh Man recently? Yeah. How yeah. is it? I mean, I saw when I was on 71 or 72 or whatever. It's just okay, right? Blank. It's okay, yeah. You know what I saw like this spring and I was not expecting much and I loved it. It was Where Eagles Dare. You guys, yes, it's great, it? kind of, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Got to get the got to get Jeff Spears book about. It. I know that's what Adrian McKinty was telling me. He's like, you know, you got to get the book. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Although, that, although that movie cracks me up because it it doesn't have subtitles, so <laughs> the Americans are caught speaking German, but they're still speaking English. Like yes. Uh, <laughs> Well, I was telling Dan, you know, because you guys kind of are stuck here and not able to create the way you normally do, this might be a dry run. I mean, you chose Michael Ritchie, and who knows, someone listening might be like, these guys should write a book on Michael Ritchie. So this could be your, you know, your piece. No, I think we want your job. And we're hoping someone listens to us and says, you know what, they should they should just get rid of Jen and it should just be Dan and <laughs> Dan Oh, can it be three with all three of us? Oh, three. I'm, I'm, I'm ready. We'll Let's co-write it. Yeah. yeah. Little spin-off, watch with Jen, Dan, and Larry. There you go. <laughs> or Larry and Dan. <laughs> Perfect. Well, I was excited that you guys chose Michael Ritchie because I don't know too much about him. I've seen, you know, several of his films over the years. But when I was talking to people like Sheila O'Malley and other critics, like, do you know anything? Is there a book or anything that you can recommend that I should be and they're like I don't know much about Michael Ritchie at all and so I think you guys really hit on something intriguing here a man whose filmography and career isn't terribly well covered so I would love to know what it is about Michael Ritchie that appeals and his movies well Michael Ritchie um is I feel like almost the person that Quentin Tarantino was talking about when he talks about, I'm going to do 10 movies and yeah. get the hell out. You know what I mean? Because yeah. if, if Michael Ritchie had been hit by a truck <laughs> in 1977, he would be considered one of the all-time greats. I yeah, mean, because what a run. He would have a, you know, a catalog that 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 looked very Hal Ashby-esque. The, yeah. Another yeah, word. exactly. And um, and even Ashby never got the acclaim in the seventies that he sort of deserved because seventies were all about that sort of a you yep. know, 
whether it was Coppola or or Scorsese or Altman, they all had this director's sheen about them. And um, uh, and so people like Ashby and and Richie, who sort of bounced it, bounced around a bit, um, uh, you know, didn't have that auteury kind of thing. But when you look at these movies we're going to talk about today, because I think we're going to primarily talk about the first five or six. Um, He's definitely an auteur, an auteur in, a, in a big way. They feel like Michael Ritchie movies. Even though he never write, he doesn't write the scripts, but what he does with the scripts is so hims, and his documentary background comes through so hard. You can yeah. he's definitely an auteur. Yeah, but I always wondered, like, how can how can someone who started off with such great promise end up doing such crap? Said the writer of Heather's and Vampire Academy. <laughs> <laughs> but it is amazing how his career and it's not even like his career goes off a cliff because he continues making movies yeah you know, and some of them are big hits and i are, are trying to prop up the movies of his that actually probably weren't that financially successful where you know but but it's those movies in the 80s where he just becomes a guy hired to like him you know, because he obviously makes movie stars feel comfortable um, yeah and uh and the movies it's- just it's, it's sad. The his IMBD page is Michael Ritchie, famous for the Golden Child. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, geez. yeah. Well, you mentioned yeah, I, think, I, think Chris, I think Chris Wilman said in, in, in like Mike Rich, Michael Ritchie's obituary and 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 EW something like, "There's never been a, a more spotty director. Never been someone who's like wildly fluctuates from great to awful." Hmm. But Ashby, and you bring up Ashby, Ashby, you know, a lot of the, the 80s, directors yeah. of, the, of the 70s do fall off a cliff in the 80s. Yeah. At least Richie could always get a job. He made That's a terrible true. movie, but there's many of these people, the Bogdanoviches, the Freakins, and people like that, you know, they were they were kind of unhirable for a while. Even yeah. Scorsese had a tough time, you know, because, oh, because yeah. he shifted so hard. And everyone always blames Star Wars and Jaws and things like that, but it also was the fact that all those guys took gigantic swings heaven's gate yeah yeah whether it's heaven's gate or new york new york or cruising or the sorcerer i mean sorcerer was a great movie but it just didn't perform yeah which had one after another the the daisy millers at long last loves where they were sort of given total freedom and that this it just i almost think it was sometimes it was more those kind of things or studios were saying we can't give people total freedom anymore you know and and it was fine with star wars that made them say all right look this is the the movie's business is going to change yeah absolutely do you remember the first film that you saw of his that made you start really paying attention to him as a director well i'd say there's a the core three are the candidate smile and the bad news bears which you know i saw when they came out or ish near when they came out and they literally taught me what satire was they almost I found my sense of humor in those movies, like because they they're not broad, and and like I I they made me feel like a genius as a teenager, like I'm getting this. I this is a joke. This is this, this like the can just rewatching the candidate was like I'm so proud of my like they never spell they never the great thing about the candidate is they never spell anything out like mm-hmm. there's a woman who is a fan of his that you see in the background of various shots. 
And then you see her walk out of his hotel room near the end. And I'm like, hey, that guy, that woman was in the other shots. Oh, my God. She's having a joke with that woman. Like, you know, it's like I just remember my excitement of like discovering like there's comedy going on here and they're not telling me, but I found it. Right. Which I thought was a great influence. And I definitely saw The Candidate when it came out, too. Uh, so I, I'm assuming that probably was my first Michael Ritchie movie. Uh, but that being said, being a uh, a kid in the 1970s, you cannot uh, over praise the bad news bears. And no. it, it may not, it seems, actually it does still seem radical. But at the time, kids like that had never been shown in a motion picture. Kids were... Disney. It was. It was. It was Napoleon and Samantha. You know, and uh, and and the fact that Michael Ritchie really captured uh, what it felt like to be a kid. And you know, and there was like, oh, they were. You know, there was a big debate at the time. All oh, those kids are foul mouthed or whatever. But it's, it was how kids talked. And it was. It was kind of. It was. It's still maybe one. Of, I remember talking to Richard Linkletter uh, when he remade the movie, and he said to me like. Um, there are jokes in the trailer for the Bad News Bears, nineteen seventy six, that we can't put in our movie. No, <laughs> you know, so yeah, that's it's not like great. after the Bad News Bears came out, then all movies were like that. It went family entertainment went back to being family entertainment. I mean, you look at, I mean, the poster makes you the poster always fools me into thinking, oh yeah, the Bad News Bears love Bad News Bears. It was a fun, fun little movie. And then I rewatch it; it's so hardcore. It's yeah. so, it's so like the movie that opened Sundance Film Festival. It's not uh, the popular comedy. It looks like it's so it's so harsh and 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 the way it's shot is like his other movies were very documentary feel. Like there's nothing wacky about the opening credits. It's they're all there's a melancholy all throughout the movie. Alcoholism was a lot much for, more fun in the seventies. Everybody can be an alcoholic and. Interesting. There's so many scenes in the Bad News Bears that 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 you couldn't do. Like no. just the way she throws a beer at Tatum O'Neill when she tries to be bond with them, like crazy. Yeah, yeah. Right. My friend Donald Logue was talking about that when he was on the podcast, and he told me he was the one uh, last year. It's around Christmas, and on the phone, he's like, "You got to watch this movie like right now," because I hadn't seen it in 20, 25 years or so. And he was talking about, you know, sometimes when they do scenes and movies, you know, kids, and then the director goes, "On the count of three, just act excited or act scared," and it looks terrible. And he said, "You see, like Math out, just like throw stuff at these kids, and the way they react." It's genuine. Like, did Math out? Did they tell the kids they were going to do some of this stuff? Because, like, he interacts like those with those kids like they're forty five. It's crazy. Yeah, Math out was amazing in it. But I mean, when I read a little bit about how, like, you know, Richie's casting for this for that movie, and it was all about trying to find the most realistic kids and find that group of people. Also, what's great about it is how integrated the uh, that the, yeah the team is. Um, but even but like in the casting, like the um, um, uh, like for the chubby kid, like uh, Richie said, he he got a crazy thing in his head because they were looking at kids who actors who were kind of and it was always kind of like the, the joke was that he that you know the, the there were all the chubby kid actors already had their chubby kid stick down, <laughs> yes. and, um, and so he just randomly said, 
go look in Texas. And they're like, what? He's like, people in Texas have an arrogance and kind of like, find me a kid who who is chunky but doesn't give a shit. And he yeah. wants to throw, you know, and so when you see that guy in the movie, he does. He's a, he's 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 holding his own. He is the chunky guy, but he's 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 a badass. Yeah, he's kind of a filmmaker who was very interested in sociology and psychology. His dad was a psychologist, uh, that background. But you see that, like, he really wanted uh, the kids to improvise and do their own thing. And yeah. it's astounding. I I love the sequence. I mean, Tatum O'Neill by that time was a pro and she'd won yeah. the Oscar for Paper Moon. But one of my favorite scenes is when she's trying to hustle Jackie Earl Haley into like joining the team or you know otherwise she has to go out with him and math i was in the car like leveling with her about boys on dates and she's just like i'll handle it and it's just you know a woman who's like 20 it's hilarious yeah so apparently in the original script the movie had a lot more jackie Earl haley it was okay that it was about the bad boy coming in the you know and apparently you saw the parents quite a bit and when I Richie, was going to ask yeah. that. Yeah, like, did when you Richie see came her in, mom? He said, like, he said, let's get rid of all the parents. Yeah. Let's make it, a, 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 with the, the kids, their life is going to be shown on the field. On the field. We're mm-hmm. not going to have to know because, what, what you know, apparently he met Tatum's mom, and there's a whole backstory there. Yeah. Original script, uh, you mm-hmm. know, I'm not trying to take it away from the script, because the script is fantastic. And then Bill Lancaster worked worked all the way through it. But, um, uh, you know, the... Uh, they won at the end, mm-hmm. um, and so it was like they really had to fight for, uh, against that. You know, the idea that uh, um, um, it's funny. Uh, Rich, I read some interview. Richard, he's like, he's like, when you read sometimes you read a script, and there's something really great there, and you realize there's all this stuff in it that is in it because they had to sell the screenplay. Mm-hmm. So- so it's like, of course, you couldn't you couldn't have sold a movie like that if they lost at the end, or they you know, or, or what what you know. So it's um it's so uh, or you know if you you know it's kind of notes. So but with his job, he thought as a filmmaker is to go into the movie liking the general thing of what the movie was and trying to take as much of the phony baloney out of it, but keeping the spirit of it all and the and and the sort of the joie de vie of, of why he wanted to make that movie. And I think Badgers Bears does it perfectly. Badgers the perfect. amazing the amazing thing about watching all these movies together, I realize he's got a there's a whole thing with winning in Michael Ritchie. Mm-hmm. All the movies like even even when they even when the character does win, especially in the candidate. It doesn't feel like a win. Like he, no. he becomes senator, but it's like now what? Now you got to become sen- now you got to be senator. Yeah, like, yeah. It's the end of the graduate, essentially. Like what is the end of the graduate? It's perfectly. Yeah. It, what's amazing about if if I had to pick one image that sticks in my head from a Michael Ritchie movie, it's the close up of the matchbook that says "You lose." You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, but even even smile, which I adore. It's like you never know who you never know who's the protagonist, who you're rooting for. But then when they start announcing the girls that you win, you realize you, you care. And like, wait a minute, she's not going to win. Mm-hmm. Like, wait, she came in fourth place. She didn't. Even, she didn't even make it. It's like, yeah. The what's well, funny the, the this whole thing about winning in these movies is because almost every one of the movies we're going to talk about today are about contests. Yes. You know, so, so what is America? 
But as America, yeah, the way even the Bad News Bears ends with a close-up of the American flag. You know, there's a lot, I mean, even Smile, that, uh, me, one of the most stunning things in Smile is after all the beauty pageant things that happen, then these military guys come in to undo the flag, and they're doing this sort of like the male version of the beauty pageant, you know, they're, yes. they're guys who are drilling like the girls do, you know, doing the batons. They're they're actually this is their version of that, and they're folding up the flag and they're doing all this stuff. But they're just like you know, it, it's 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 it. He's he captures something about America that very 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 few other directors do. Yeah, it's definitely chilling Americana. I wrote, I wrote down through all this. Yeah. Um, hey, but first, I have to I have to make sure I don't forget to tell you my my bad news bears seeing for the first time story because I didn't really. I didn't really fall in love with it until the second time because the first time I saw it, I was in a theater as a kid and they showed the trailer for The Omen. (laughs) Oh, no. And the the maid hangs herself. Damien, I love you. She hangs herself. And then everybody just goes to watch the movie. I'm like, I'm like (laughs) staring like the whole movie. Like (laughs) I just watch a woman hang herself. Yeah. That's Why are funny. you laughing? Those yeah. kids are cussing. Yes, that's a uh, hilarious. But right. did you see that woman hang herself? I'm like <laughs> freaked out. Yeah. One other thing I want to talk about a little bit um, before we get off of bad news bears. I feel like you know because we're doing chronological order so well. Yeah, I thought we were gonna, <laughs> we but, can but, go in any order. Yeah, 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 but 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 I would say um, is part of the casting. Like I talked about casting, you know, the sort of non pros as the kids. Uh, what's fascinating is to learn of the people who almost played the main roles because okay. uh, Warren Beatty at one point circled for a while to play the the and when you think about it and Beatty apparently kind of wanted to do it but it was one of those things where he apparently with the seventies flirted with everything and so and yeah. They, uh, you know kind of um, Michael Richie wanted to keep his 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 green light um, but the guy's an ex athlete. Guy's an ex-athlete. He's. A, I mean, think of the movie with with yeah. Warren in the star of that movie. It's the same movie, but it's got a little bit more of a candidate sheen to. You understand that the rich guy, yeah, Beatty, and Beatty's an alcoholic, and he's just like he's 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 a pool cleaner. It's more like it becomes this weird, you know, uh, sexy guy gone to seed. It would have totally worked. Um, I think so. Yeah. That is interesting. Right. You know and, and then who they went to after that was Steve McQueen. So what? they were going, they were going I did hear macho that guys, macho guys who were like athletes, you know, who sort of you imagine as being like a pro athlete who 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 went, you know, Walter Math, I can't imagine fielding <laughs> a ball, but oh he's great. God. Yeah. Yeah, wow. he is great. And I love what you were saying too about how they got rid of the parents. I worked in a school for a while, actually Spielberg's old middle school, Ingleside here. I was uh, assistant to the librarian and, you know, one day one of the teachers was telling me we actually spend more time with these kids than their parents do, like in a day. And so what I love is, you know, they're seeing uh, coaches, teachers, the unfiltered, this is the kid away from the parents. And so I love that about this. They can be free and be who they are and, you know, get to know them and Man, that is fascinating. I think Beatty would have been awesome. I can see that sort of like a shampooy kind of thing, yeah. but like crossed with Elliot Gould. I can kind of mm-hmm. see that. That would have been. I don't want to. I don't want to see Steve McQueen on the Mount arguing no. with Big though. Like it just yeah. it, it seems too testosterone. Yeah. I love Mathau's energy against yes. Big Morrow's energy. Mathau is perfect. I'm not. I'm not remotely. Yeah. Mathau. The, the taste you do get at parents are pretty incredible. Like when she. 
when the wife runs up to Vic Morrow. Yeah. Just so harsh, yeah. which which leads me to what I think is the best performance of the film that we haven't mentioned from a kid, a kid who was a big star, obviously had stopped being a big star, but he, he has one great scene in this movie, um, Brandon Cruz, who's on the TV show called The Courtship of Eddie's Father, which is a huge, huge TV show, but then like most child actors, he disappeared a bit, but he's the kid on the mound who's Vic Morrow's son who refuses to pitch after he pushes him down and such a great yeah. scene. Yeah. Yeah. No, apparently Richie really wanted that moment. Uh, uh, you know, he wanted the Vic Morrow character to sort of be humiliated, and that mm-hmm. and so that was about the the son humiliating the father, and that was that was really important. That's an amazing scene. I thought you were going to say Alfred Lutter. <laughs> there's a big Alfred. We there's a war between me and Larry's writing partner, Scott Alexander, of who most looks like and relates to Al, Al, Alfred J. Lutter, who's the kid with glasses who knew all the statistics <laughs> played, which I relate to on that level too. But he was like the star of every after school special. He was Ellen Burst's son and now doesn't live here anymore. Oh, yeah. He oh, a, that's where I knew him from. Yes. Yeah. Perennial wire rim glasses. That's why I, I changed my wire rim glasses just to distance myself from Alfred J. Lutter. But he was such a like that's me <laughs> that's that's me on the screen and I don't like it. Yeah. I want to be Clark Gable and I don't even know who Clark Gable is. But <laughs> <laughs> so that movie was kind of uh, you know important in yeah every time you came you are just, yeah God, will you take well, me to the screen please? Yeah. But I think what he's what he's referring to is you couldn't get away from Alfred Lutter when you were a kid. Yeah, and they, watching kid movies or kid TV shows, he was. The 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 smart aleck kid who could deliver a lot. <laughs> You're like, I'm not that guy. Yeah. 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 I'm the one who tells jokes, I don't get bullied, and I'm the writer. I love that. Yes. Yeah, With the cooler glasses now. I'm sure Alfred Leonard could say the same thing though. Oh, yes. Well, which one would you like to dive into next? Me, do you want to start why with? Why don't we jump back to the beginning? Let's flash back to the first one. Yeah. Um because we, we maybe could talk a little bit about like you know, I guess where Michael Ritchie comes from, and and uh, and how like down, downhill racer, um, I believe began life as a as a as a Roman Polanski movie. It was being yes, uh, Polanski was it was a way of getting Polanski. I think Paramount wanted to work with Polanski, and Polanski loved skiing, and mm-hmm. they thought like oh, you can, it's about skiing. You can film it in Europe, blah blah blah. And so uh, so Polanski was developing it. And then he decided they decided basically to completely jump ship and do Rosemary's Baby, which he also, um, uh, you know, Redford was attached to Downhill Racer, but uh, Polanski wanted uh, Redford to jump as well and play the John Cassavetes part. And Redford refused to play the John Cassavetes part because he, I think Redford said something uh, somewhere in his career, like, I can play someone stupid in me, but my, 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 my public, yes, my public won't allow me to play a bad person. Yes. Um, and, uh, and so. Although he's not exactly a saint in this movie. No, yeah. not at all. I, I read that Polanski, when he was talking about developing this one, was saying that it should be like high noon. 
essentially. Yes. Yeah. And so it's kind of a Western, but a, but a ski movie. And no, I mean, Redford can play an arrogant asshole, but yeah, he, he's never really truly played evil that I can recall off the top. Well, of it's funny. He, um, he's dropped out a, a couple things because of that. Uh, like he originally was supposed to play the lead in the verdict. But he Ooh. didn't. He felt, which was, I mean, it's like a great movie. It's a brilliant about, Oh, I don't know if I can play an alcoholic, a, a guy who's a loser, that kind of thing. And for a long time, uh, I think one of the reasons you couldn't find Little Foss and Big Halsey, or as a Big Foss and Little Halsey, you know, was because uh, Redford didn't really appreciate the fact that he was kind of a a, a scuzzy guy in that movie. Yeah, yeah. he's in that movie. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I've never seen that one. And so when when when, when uh um Polanski dropped out, he's they, by uh, the way, he's evil in Captain America Winter Soldier, so oh I missed that one. <laughs> he gave he gave he, he gave up on his parts after a certain point. There's, there's a yeah. lot of, so picky when they were the greatest actors of all time, and then <laughs> once they hit like 75, they're like, no, we'll take who's offering me a job this week? Boys of Brazil Boys of Brazil remake, I'll do it. Yeah. Yes. Um, but when they when Plansky dropped out, I think they they try to keep the movie going. They looked for somebody who could do it cheaper, and so they, they at the time like uh, people people don't sports is such a gigantic thing about television now, but people don't remember back in the day it wasn't you know there, this is you know <laughs> then when did the Super Bowl begin? So it's as old as I am, sixty two. Yeah, so this is the the heyday of Wild World of Sports, and so you know, the yeah. idea of like, hey, let's do a, let's do a movie like Wild World of Sports. Let's do like a movie that's kind of like you know. And so they looked to that's how Richie got the job because he had a background in television, background in in documentaries, and so it was this kind of a and they and and I think at the time. Uh, Retro was desperate to keep it going because uh, Paramount then wanted Paramount owned a, a slot and they were yeah. trying to get him to do something. They actually tried to get him to do a movie called Blue that Terrence Stamps ends up doing, but but so but he was insisting on Downhill Racer, and so they just said, "All right, go go make it in Europe, go make it with make it cheap with this guy." And and Richie ran with the ball, and then you're like you're totally correct about it being uh, the Polanski thing was about try to try to make it like High Noon mm-hmm. about. The, you know, comes into this thing, which when once you start looking at Richie movies, a lot of movies have that too. It's about someone being brought into, you know, yeah, whatever, that you wouldn't expect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Gene Hackman in the Peter Boyle role. Yeah, the um, yes, good point. Oh, I love Hackman in this. Hackman and has become. I think I took him for granted when I was younger, just like, oh, he's great. But then as uh, I got older and started really kind of paying closer attention, I think Hackman is one of the like all time greats. Yeah. yeah. I yeah well, he, he, he also he also did a uh, end of career run of some pretty crappy movies. So yes, sometimes forget that he was amazing. How amazing. Um, yeah. I mean, my favorite, I think the best performance in a movie ever is him as Harry Call in the conversation. I think. Oh, my a, goodness. Yep. Yeah. What yeah. was interesting about I'll jump to a different movie real quick. He shows up in Prime Cut. Yes. Prime Cut is the movie that he makes after the French Connection. And you can he's he's actually whatever. He's he's great, but there is an alternate version of Gene Hackman where the French Connection doesn't win him an Oscar and is just a cop movie 
where he goes off and does those movies. He did right around the same time period, which are Prime Cut and Doctor's Wives and The Hunting Party. Where yeah, he's, more he's sort exploitative. Of a, he's sort of, yeah, he's sort of Brian Dennehy. He, I think he yes. would have been that kind of a character actor who's always good. You get him to play the sheriff, blah, blah, blah. But but because, um, and that's definitely the part, in, I mean, he, in all fairness, when you, when you look at um, Prime Cut, it's Lee Marvin, Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman's role is much smaller than Gene than than Lee Marvin's, and I think that's where his career would have headed if he wasn't rescued by playing um by playing the you know leading French Connection. I'm glad you mentioned Terrence Stamp and the film that he made because I read that um, Michael Ritchie was a big fan of Ken Loach, and so there's yes. a bunch of people that worked on Poor Cow, which was yeah. with Stamp, uh, who worked on Downhill Racer, and it's very you know. It's a little like a French movie almost at times, yeah. the way they use montage, and it's it's an art house sports movie. Yeah, no, it's funny as I, I wrote it, I wrote down here something like it's it's a Richie kind of movie without the jokes. It's a yeah. Richie movie without satire, and it's more like I said, it's more like Grand Prix or a man and a woman. Yeah, it, 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 it has that commercial, not that not the, not using the term commercial in like commercial movie making, but more like at you know commercials, like a Timex commercial kind of. It looks it looks very slick and very cool. I, I was yeah, I can definitely in my life. yeah. There are Richie elements of satire in the sports angles, though. I thought like just the way the the skiers are promoted and and everything like that. That and again going back to winning. Even though we're giving things away, even though Redford quote unquote wins, the way it's done is like, are we happy that this asshole won? I know, and, right? And also, like, the next guy down the hill almost beats his time and falls at the last second. Like, it's just yeah. like winning so arbitrary. It's, it's yeah. cosmically funny about everything. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. no joy in it. Yeah, this isn't really a team sport. There's that kind of and, line. It's kind of about, yeah. And Gene well, Hackman, that was the exhilarating Hackman's thing about movies at the time period. Robert Redford. Wait, Gene Hackman's character hates Robert Redford. Just suddenly, like, when he wins, like, my buddy, we did it. We're a team, baby. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone loves you when you're hot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a movie about Hollywood, which is another comment I was reading when I was looking up Michael Ritchie movies. A lot of people were like, you know, it's about politics or it's about sports, but is it really about Hollywood? Yeah. yeah. Well, Larry and I share our, the most the most gut punch moment in the movie is when his the love story, by the way, is terrible, almost as bad yeah. as the and Bobby Deerfield. Um, <laughs> oh God, Bobby Deerfield! Yeah, just, yeah. <laughs> I love women. Take these two in, in the back of the head, but um, <laughs> but so I almost relate to it, even though it's so harsh when she's just saying by visiting your parents and talking about her brother and like talking and then he just lays on honks her horn yes he shuts yeah. like i thought that was so harsh i mean it was just like my god my robert redford just did that like he says he doesn't want to be play evil but that was evil to me even yeah though- it was, but was what I thought was fascinating. I mean, it definitely was totally, you know, egotistical of him to do it. But evil she, and honest. She's trying hard not to have a real conversation. Mm-hmm. She yeah. she's doing every she everything she can to sort of like just talk about things and blah 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 blah. blah. But she's mm-hmm. trying hard to avoid 
getting into what they yeah. yeah getting what's going on between them and so he you know as opposed to him like you know cutting her off or kissing her or doing it he just lays on the horn and it's just like oh fuck what the hell it really it's a it's a it is a completely shocking moment yeah it's narcissistic but it's honest yep exactly you said that very well yeah. that's sure that's what a lot of my friends say <laughs> i'm an evil narcissist but i'm honest <laughs> I hate other races. What can I say? <laughs> Will my uh, public allow it? Yes. Yeah. A little of that popping through. Now, Dan, have you ever read um, the book that uh, the screenwriter wrote, uh, A Sport in the Pastime, James Salter? People love I've, that. I've written other James Salter. I've written other James Salter. He didn't pay me, but I wrote them. <laughs> Ghost wrote those. I've, yeah. I've read other James Salter books, like Light Years, I believe I read. He's he's definitely he, he's definitely a male writer. Yeah. Like, it was, I mean, horrible thing to say, but it was, it was good to be a man in the 70s. It was like the end of the Mad Men where, like, our little problems were meant so much. Like, finally, there's finally... The white men had taken some pain, but back then, like you could write about it, right. such navel gazing and act like it's tragedy. <laughs> One of my favorite films is Five Easy Pieces, which was written by a woman. But it, again, it's kind of the the woe is the man uh, yeah. character because people are like, "Why do you like that movie?" So I, you know, how long do you have? I'll be here for four days. But yeah. but yeah, this was that era. Uh, you brought up. Gene Hackman and he was in Prime Cut. I watched that last and I should tell everyone listening it was really funny because Larry and Dan are so thoughtful and uh creative about how they went about this and Larry, you know, gave us some some rules like we're going to go with these movies and then he watched like a million others because, you know, yeah. we're all movie geeks. And uh, I woke up one morning and had a bunch of stuff in my inbox, this thread. And when they were talking about Prime Cut, like, it's nasty. Should we do it? And my favorite comment came from Dan. It was like, I've noticed that Jen's taste can get pretty macho. And I thought that was really funny. <laughs> yes. You're not afraid. You're not afraid. Yeah, I watched it yesterday. It was like arrogance. The one I put up with or, you know, was like, am I going to put up with this? Is it like too much? And you know what? It was really well done. It's gritty. It's sleazy. It's a lot of things. These basic costumes were very tasteful. I (laughs) brought a woman to a restaurant wearing a sheer green. Wearing nothing. Yeah. Well, it's funny you mentioned the costumes. I don't know. I didn't actually look who did the costume, but I can't imagine the idea of like, all right, we're going to show you a couple outfits that you're going to wear in the in, in the in the dinner sequence or whatever. <laughs> it's completely. It's, I mean, as people who have watched the film, I, she wears basically is naked throughout the movie. It's it's, yeah. it's crazy. That scene, I do not like. What what's our point of view on that scene? Like, what is Lee Marvin it's so doing? Weird. Here? Yeah. Yeah. Like it's a little like, look talking. who's at my table, but at the same time, I don't know. There's a lot going on in this movie. Yeah. Well, here's the thing: that scene is horrible. I'm like, yeah. I'm just straight out and say that scene does like the idea that it it it, it she's not only like wearing a see-through dress; it's all about eating. It's like it's like a ten year old's uh, fantasy of what a what a fancy meal is. She's, she's yeah. eating vichyqua and consomme and what spoon to use. It's like it's completely <laughs> like. Pretty woman, but like, yeah, suddenly that becomes a scene like, oh, she's out of place. She's a fish out of fish water. She's a naked fish out of water. <laughs> it's splash. Nothing. Yeah. 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 It's, 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 it's sillier than the Blues Brothers when they go to the fancy restaurant. <laughs> 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 
It's not naked. Yeah. It's well, yeah. it's it's such a nasty movie. I mean, it's got a great reputation among my nasty fr- nasty friends, but um, they love it. But I I think I go back to what we're talking about with Michael Ritchie's Warped Americana, mm-hmm. and there's so much good stuff like this. We grew up in Indiana. I don't know if you did, Larry, but I had to. My 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 mother and my cousins always dragged me to f- the carnivals and the fairs yeah. downtown, and like Minnesota. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And they're always kind of spooky, eating those huge elephant ears and yeah. like playing those games and like. Yeah. And so when I see that, like they're walking around and they're treating it like a normal fair, but everyone at the fair is trying to kill them. That's <laughs> <laughs> the same. I just wrote that my note there is this is the that sure was a lousy fair because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> people just pulling out guns and shooting. And there's no one's attempting to hide anything. Yeah, and so they have to go realize. in front of everyone to avoid death, and yeah, yeah, it's very. And then, and then they get attacked by farm equipment, which I can also relate North to. By Northwest, yes. Well, yeah. That might be the visually. I mean, visually, it's easily the best scene in the movie. That's an oh, yeah. amazing scene. The there, Cesar Spacek and Lee Marvin being chased to a corn a cornfield. I'm not corn, a wheat field by a. I don't even know what you call those things a combine. Combine, yeah. I loved, I read Ebert's review of it at the time, and he's like, you know, and they're holding hands. If they let go, they could probably evade it, but the movie <laughs> is so macho, or so, I think he said, uh, so masculine, and it's I like, nope, he's going to have to hold her hand, and as they run, it's like impractical. They could probably, you know, divide and conquer, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I love that Gene Hackman, uh, my friend Sean Burns brought that up on Twitter. He's like, he plays a guy named Mary Ann. And uh, I was pointing out, you know, it's like John Wayne's name being Marion, which I think was the the illusion there. But yeah, it's uh, poking fun at these guys. And like Dan said off air when we were talking, you know, it'll make you a vegetarian, essentially, that opening sequence. Oh, absolutely. Watch before you go vegetarian because yeah. yeah, because not only not only the opening scene where we watch body turn into hot dogs, yeah, but, but Gene Hackman love his favorite part of the meat is the guts. And oh my gosh, that scene! First time we yeah. see him eating a plate of guts. Yeah, yeah. No, it's yeah. Uh, opening. What? What? I, I forget already. What's What's the piece of clothing that ends up on the assembly line? Uh, is that a shoe or a hat or what is it that? Oh yeah, well, there's a ring and the hat. Then the, the shoe comes off. <laughs> yeah, it's like all the sausage being made. And clearly, it's made out of a human being, and all of a sudden, there's a stupid like piece of clothing comes out, and it's like, all right, they, they forgot. They forgot to nude them up before they before they put them through the machine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but going back to our second, you're talking about the 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 fair scene. What I think Michael Ritchie is amazing at in all these movies, and there is literally every single one, crowd scenes. Mm-hmm. He has that sense of like picking out people feel like real, yeah. I mean, real people. They're, they're not reacting in this way, someone being shot, but uh, they feel like real people in these crowd scenes. Same thing when, when in, in Smile, you know, or, or, or almost any of these movies, there's that in the candidate, all those people listening to Robert Redford as he gives speeches, he's just had a great sense, like a knack for, uh, for, um, for making those crowd scenes work. Yeah. I yeah. think that goes back to the documentary thing. Yeah. Documentary thing and, and American faces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. 
So, so at the end of the day, did you, so were you thumbs up or thumbs down? On, on oh, thumbs up overall. Yeah, I thought it was actually really well done. It's it's nasty. It's scuzzy. You know, don't watch it before bed or don't watch it before you're you're going to go to a barbecue, essentially. But no, it was entertaining and definitely very well done. I liked little Hitchcock illusions. Gene Hackman was evil. Lee Marvin playing like the good guy was was a nice little switch. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's probably the least Michael Ritchie of all these movies, though. It is. It's Michael Ritchie for hire, kind of like what yeah. maybe foreshadowing what's going to happen yeah, yeah. in years to come. Yeah, yeah although sure. unlike the ones that come, like there is some, there is like you say the crowd scenes in the Americana and the fair. There are there are Ritchie touches when Absolutely. by the time you get the cops and Robertsons, it's just like <laughs> when's yeah. lunch? Yeah. Um, but so you Digstown, I enjoyed Digstown. I thought that was Digstown's pretty good. Yeah, I've never seen it, and I tried to watch it the other night for this, and I conked out. I conked out. Okay, give it a try. I, I keep on. I mean, people have always said that to me, and that's the Michael Ritchie later Michael Ritchie movie I should see. And something I don't know what it is about the poster or just the chemistry between the two guys. Everyone says it's good, but I I just it's okay, I, it's called Digstown. Yeah, it's called Digstown. Maybe that's why. I, I mean, I, and the cheerleader movie's supposed to be quite good. I well, cheerleader movie's great. I remember thinking it was a little glib, not quite a return of form, but still, it's better than. It's written by my friend Jane Anderson, and that's a really oh, it's good script. Oh, great! It's 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 better than Wildcats for sure. It's his best, which movie. I watched oh. for the first time over the weekend. Yes. No. <laughs> Yeah, I I might have seen it like when I was a kid, but I didn't remember it at all. So I'm just calling it a first watch. Yeah, I don't remember it all either. I mean, I would call it a first watch if I, I bothered watching it and watch it this time. Hmm. Yeah. Um, well, we should get back to the candidate in Robert Redford form. This is definitely the Americana. The is winning, winning thing yeah. with Robert Redford. So, yeah, yeah. great film. It's such a good movie. Uh, Jeremy Lawner wins the Oscar for the screenplay. It's a fantastic does he? Wow, yeah, he I didn't does. know that. Well, that 1972. Means... It's a. I, I, I wish I could. I don't have that. I love to look at what the other nominees were against him because this is this is the year of Cabaret and The Godfather and things like. But those are all based on previous material. Yeah. So I, I bet. I bet. His, oh, his, so what was? Yeah. I don't know if I. Maybe I'll do it while Dan starts talking. Oh, that's that's but, fun. But Lawner comes from politics. He he worked on the uh, Eugene McCarthy. McCarthy. Yeah. And so there's once again going for that documentary like feeling, uh, uh, you know, this well, how how do campaigns actually work? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I love that. I was reading that he was so under the gun of needing to finish that script so quickly that he was writing from like noon to three in the morning every day yeah. in order to get it done. Because I think they well, he was his speechwriter for McCarthy and that there was a lot going on and I think they'd approached other people. And yeah, I watched a thing on TCM about the film it was in essentials with Robert Osborne and Sally Field and Sally Field was saying, you know, it's not her favorite film with Redford, but what she loved about it is it kind of foreshadowed like how he was going to use his star power and uh, the types of stories he was interested in telling and the way he used some of his politics kind of to to weave in and uh, his integrity and where that kind of started, but also sort of a wry, clear eyed view of America. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's funny. I don't I don't think it's the best Robert Redford movie, but it most it might be the most Robert Redford. -y yes. Movie, you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like at one point you have Natalie Wood showing up and you're like, oh, yeah. they made a few movies together. Yeah. 
yeah, well, that's my funny. favorite Robert Redford movie. That's all I'm on the screen. Which one is, is that? There's probably my favorite. Is it? Oh, it is your favorite. All right, fine. Wow. You've never seen Jeremiah Johnson, though. Can you believe oh. it? My parents saw that on their first date. Yeah, oh. so I like to say that Sidney Pollock and Robert Redford are my dads <laughs> because my so mom didn't know if she wanted to go. And I'm like, if they would have seen a horrible movie, they wouldn't have had anything to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Sidney Pollock is also from our hometown. He was like the, the big he, I love Pollock. Yeah, so. yeah. Except we said bad things about Bobby Deerfield, but that was oh. Pollock, right? Oh, I'm sure he says worse things about Bobby yes, Deerfield. Yes, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, lo- I love this movie because every, and now that you tell me he wrote from noon to three, because I mean, I love the rush quality of it. I love yeah. that he never stops to have a scene. Like my favorite, th- one of my favorite things is Melvin Douglas in this movie who plays Robert Redford's senator father. Mm-hmm. They never have the scene of like son. I was tough on you growing up. We never got along, but now yeah. it it happens. So like the scenes happen without ever bringing that up, and yet they get they get the relationship. You learn more about the relationship by them not talking about the relationship. Yeah, and 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 everything everything seeps through without ever having the scene tell us it's what's going on. Well, it's similar it. to uh, to Bad News Bears where. All the all the relationship with the kids is on the field. This is all about the campaign. I mean, it is a candidate, so it's about the campaign. So Melvin Douglas only exists to come in and say, you know, wind up like uh, the fact that it takes him so long to endorse his son. Yeah, he says a son. You know, his son is cute. That's probably the nicest thing he says about him. Uh, I know. They talk around. It's like the yeah. scene in the car we were talking about with the horn. Yeah, essentially yeah. how they're conveying like what's really going on with these characters without spelling it out. It might be a richy thing. Yeah. yeah. And then at the end, his last line to Robert Redford after he's won is like, "You're a politician now," and it's like yes. it's such a fuck you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, this you shit for being a bad dad. Well, guess what? <laughs> Told you so. My boy it was just like me. <laughs> And what's so funny, um, he comes out before Jerry Brown makes his big move into politics, but it just feels so much like the Jerry Brown story. <laughs> you know, it's, just, it's like, like a, you know, a, a kid become the governor after his dad became a governor. It's it's kind of. Um, oh, my God. I'd so vote for Bill McKay for president right now. It's, it's oh, like... there's got to be a better way. <laughs> and there's so much about like I just instinctually remember from the movie things like that the campaign slogan the uh, you know the, yeah. the name Crocker Jarman such a good name oh my god one trivia yeah. question I get all my life yeah um, it's yeah. an amazing film it's an amazing it is. Film. Yeah. yeah you can see the people who wrote like Veep and uh, you know all of those shows kind of maybe taking something from it but they went a different way but i love that yeah one of my favorite scenes is you know the montage where he's giving the same speech over and over again and then we see him in the back of the car kind of inserting the wrong lines and it yeah it's very very funny it shows how you get cynical yeah yeah apparently Richard gave him uh, crap right before he shot that scene was like what's 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 this about why why is this happening you know, God, don't ruin my don't ruin my rent. I'm gonna go to Jeremiah Johnson now. It is the condor. Oh man. Um, but you know, it's funny that uh we said this before we got to this section, but the movie kind of is Peter Boyle's movie in terms of you know, yeah, 
Uh, or you know, even uh, what's his name? Alan uh, Garfield. Yeah, Alan Garfield. It's it's uh it's it's a movie about these people who put things in motion. And you know, I wouldn't call Redford's character like an empty suit, but it's kind of like he's, you know, the in fact the movie begins on a different primary night, and it's like, oh, we got two out of three races or whatever. It's just sort of like this is what these guys are. They they do. It's just we got to find a new guy. What about this? We can plug this guy into here. Blah blah blah. And so it's all done very, you know, um, very so casually, you know. Yeah. It is casual. And I heard that uh, Robert Town had some input. Uh, the screenwriter was saying that he really credited him for kind of helping him to finish. So I think maybe some of that was his two cents. And Town doesn't like to spell things out. You know, like Chinatown's one of the best scripts because, you know, how it conveys information. And so, yeah. It was funny. That I read something that Lorna said, uh, you know, how you're not supposed to spell things out in movies. But when you have characters like... Um, the Alan Garfield character or you know, the Peter Boyle character, they can just come in and say, you know, That's true. five points behind, we got to do something to change. They, they literally can tell you where you are in the movie. And this, you know, uh, you know, uh, you, you know, and so, so that the, you get any point you're in trouble dramatically, you can just plop those people in. Um, well, the scene that kills me is when P- Peter Boyle has already told him, just think you're going to lose all and don't worry about it. Just think you're going to lose. <laughs> He's like, we're down fourteen points, and Redford's like, yeah, "Well, you said I shouldn't worry that we're going to lose. Yeah, but now you're really going to lose badly, and it's really horrible. Like, I've been brought on to projects where, like, don't worry, just do a two week rewrite; it'd be nothing. Oh, you're really fucking up. Like, wait a minute, you said I can't fuck this up. <laughs> <laughs> or the scene where he's supposed to be on tell and he can't keep a straight face, and he keeps laughing. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And Again, apparently there was talk uh went back and forth about maybe ending the movie with an assassination or an assassination. What? Oh wow, like a Bullworth thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well Bullworth's <laughs> the same writer. Isn't the same writer as Bullworth or am I crazy? I think you're crazy. I'm crazy? Okay, fine. Um there's certainly the same kind of jokes in this movie with the with like the roast beef. And the, the the shrimp taco kind of busy. They're sort of like we're in the middle of a serious scene, one of the politicians actually starts starting about food. Um Oh, it's a different level, I think. Yeah, it is. It is. Say something good about um, it. Too. Do you like yeah. Bullworth? I, I haven't um, seen it in years, but I thought it was well done at the time. I mean, it's a little odd. Yeah. Yeah. The other movie that that's like apparently really influenced this movie was. Yeah, Warren Beatty. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Jesus Christ. He reps a lot in that movie. Yeah. Um, but uh, the primary primary was primary was a was a big influence on 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 the candidate, the DA Pennebaker thing, which you know. Oh yes. Mm-hmm. So yes, yes, I'm being let's just me back back. It's kind of you know, it's it's the template kind of. So what's after? Is it Smile that comes next? Smile. Oh, yeah, Smile's great because it's again kind of a docudrama, and it it falls back on that and. He had been a judge in a beauty pageant and, you know, wanted to use, again, like what we were going to see in Bad News Bears, kids being kids or what it's really like. Yeah. I love Annette O'Toole. I remember seeing this years ago and really enjoying uh, it back then. It had been a long time. Luckily, my friend had it because you can't really find this movie. And um, oh, my goodness. Yeah, it is great. Yeah. Like you were saying, Dan, it kind of taught you what satire was. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was a candidate. This, the like, because then they they also felt like 
they even though it takes place in Santa Rosa, California, like it felt Midwest ish to me. Like just I could relate to all the people, especially the geek characters. Yeah. Yeah. She's yeah. Field. I like to bake her field. Like that kid's. Oh, great. that guy's great. The, the guys are amazing. Uh, you know, apparently that's why he got offered Bad News Bears. Where those three oh, kids. Oh, that makes oh, sense. Yeah. It does. Make like, her field. You know, I mean, it's basically, basically if you, people are listening to this. There's three guys who are trying to get naked pictures of the, yep. of the, of the, of the contestants. And, um, but they are just the lamest three, three kids ever. But they're, one <laughs> kid does, whatever word is said, he makes a joke about, so he turns that word into, into, Entendre, yeah. Entendre, yeah. <laughs> and it works every time he's gold. Every time he comes on screen, you're, you're weeping with laughter. Yeah. And the, the kid, the, the male kids don't grow up to be much better, like the adult world where they're kissing no. the ass is awesome. Yeah. Pretty, pretty great. I love the name Bob yeah. Freelander. Yeah, that's a great one. Yeah. Yeah, about how many characters there are in the movie. Like, you know, even though Bruce turns definitely the lead. Mm-hmm. Kind of, sort of. I guess he's, he's the adult lead, but like Joan Prather, who's great. Oh, yeah. Joan Prather's amazing. No one feels like a protagonist. Everybody's, there's so many protagonists. And what he did, I think, really smartly is um, is he has all the act the, the stars of the movie, but he doesn't limit the contestants to just them. I think he did a lot of like local casting when they were shooting, uh, so that uh, you know there's those 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 girls actually performing are actually the girls performing, um, you know, and it's not about like trying to make the girls bad. They're actually being yeah. shot amateurs that they are that was another thing he talked about i read something about bad news bears it's like you know he didn't want to have the kids playing badly it wasn't going to be like oh i stupidly dropped but if you hit a ball to a kid he's 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 gonna field it badly because he's not yeah he's awkward yeah he wasn't trying to put like quotation marks about what they were doing they were just like showing them for what they were so the girls dancing and doing their things they're not perfect they're not professional dancers (laughs) and they're not the rock cats yeah Right. I mean, I'm going to throw a comparison to some of these movies of Michael Ritchie's to a guy um, I'm sitting in front of a taking off poster, and uh, which is directed by a guy I worked with quite a bit, Milos Forman. And some of Michael Ritchie's movies, particularly Smile, and even some some of these movies feel like Milos Forman check movies. You know what I mean? They feel like they feel like Fireman's Ball, or, or they feel like there's actually there's there there's a uh, scene that's in Taking Off that was based on a short movie that Milos made called Audition, which is a bunch of girls singing. And it's just like, you know, it's it's sort of street singers cut back to back to back to back. And it, I, I would say absolutely 1000%. I can't prove anything. But Michael Ritchie saw that before he did Smile, because it feels like some of that that cutting is uh, has that same kind of concept. You know? Absolutely. And the sense of that also, that, that thing, Milos was about faces and about finding real people and mixing non-pros with pros to make the, you know, and I feel like Richie does that too. You know, occasionally he also feels somewhat Altman-esque because Altman does the same, you know, in terms of having all these characters come in and out of a of a festivity. Um, like in yeah, Nashville. I, I and, the, yeah. difference, the difference with Altman, like Altman, after watching this movie, almost feels like showboating. It feels like mm-hmm. really talented actors you know doing the Altman thing, which is great. Like Nashville's one of the greatest movies ever made. Yeah. But there's something about this movie where not everyone's not everyone 
is an actor, but the tapestry is still there and it's still getting those points. And it's still, yeah. you can say, bringing back to Foreman, he's having fun with the characters, but he there's such love for the characters too. I That's the key thing about that. Is yeah. that Altman, Altman is my favorite director, but Altman hates his characters. Or Ricky <laughs> loves his characters, you know? <laughs> Um, like we're funny, watching, we were talking, I know how much we're going to talk about yeah. Yeah, that, uh, like semi tough. When I'm watching semi tough, when it stops being a football movie and becomes this movie about about new age, Best. You know, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, well, you know, I'm not sure that this is all working, but it, it's a lot better than health. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. Might be a nice time to talk about my how Melanie Griffith affected my. She was such. She affected my teenage years very, very disturbingly. She was, I mean. Is this a good time to talk about that? I'm not quite sure. <laughs> you do know microphones are on. I just yeah. was, this is going to be like broadcast. <laughs> you should, no matter, even if you said something great, you should just do a really bad edit. I, I need Dan Waters. <laughs> like, oh, very interesting. Melanie yeah. Griffith, watch with Joe, Jen. <laughs> like <laughs> elevator music. and. Okay. <laughs> She's just such a disturbing presence, didn't you think? She, I mean, she's obviously, obviously sexual, obviously, but like, it wasn't just this. It was the drowning pool? It was, mm-hmm. it was smile. It was, it was her cameo in one Rob Robbie Benson in one and one where she plays a hitchhiker who says she's going to scream rape if he doesn't give her all her, her all her money. I mean, night moves. She freaked me night out. Moves. I was yes. I'm not going to laugh. She had extreme sexuality for a kid at that time. It seemed, it's, yeah. you know, she's, whenever I see a Melanie Griffith movie from the 70s, I always end up going to to, uh, to like IMDb saying, how old was she here? How old was yeah. she? What were they doing? It's a little Brooke Shieldy. Yeah. A little... Where was Tippi Hedren during this? What was yeah. <laughs> Where was mom? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, and I'm glad you brought up. I had not seen Semi-Tough. Uh, I know we kind of covered Bad News Bears, so maybe mm-hmm. we'll slide right over to Semi-Tough, unless you have other things to talk about. Well, the only but... thing I would, one more thing about, about Smile. Smile is, it's kind of what, the, maybe it's what Dan's saying, that, that it, it did take place in California, we lived in Indiana, but it felt very just, it felt like I knew that that place. Yeah. And it felt, it's, even though it's got Conrad Hall, it's one of the great cinematographers. Oh my gosh. It's a sense mm-hmm. of feeling perfectly cheap. You know, it just feels like you're in that mini mall, you're in that place, you're in that crappy hall, you're in this. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't feel like it, yeah, it doesn't feel like they're building sets. It feels like they're just they're just going out and shooting this thing. It's got that uh, the way to make summer not look beautiful, which I think is in turn like <laughs> it feels sunny but like unpleasant. Yeah. Okay. Going back to Melanie Griffin, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Kind of feels like summer, you know, the promise of summer when you were a kid and then, you know, but you can't, you know, you have to ride your bike or what is it going to be like? It's, it's realism a little bit in there. Yeah. And it well, definitely, I do think that that smile does there. It is realism, but it, uh, um, it does signal the tonal problems that come later. There are, there are oh, some gosh, wildly yeah. like, oh, this is supposed to be comedic and this doesn't work at all. And yeah. Yeah, like the janitor and and some of the stuff going on. Yeah, exactly. But this is kind of the first one that's an outright comedy, wouldn't you say? I guess is you know that's the question. It is, is. candidate a comedy? Again, they're all they're, they're all comedies to me, and in, in the best, yeah. in the even most downhill racer. Open. Okay, you're right. Not downhill racer. 
Not Prime Time. I'm like, I want to watch that with Dan now. If that's a comedy. Not these other books. <laughs> Unless <laughs> but, you're doing like Mystery but, Science three thousand. What, what I call the core. What I call the core three. Um, you know, uh, and Nate, Smile and Bad News Bears. Oh yeah. To me, they taught me a new way of comedy that that I loved and that that doesn't cool. spoil anything out. But mm. I yeah. Swear. But yeah, it I, doesn't talk down to its audience, kind of like wanting kids to be kids, people to be people. Yeah. Yeah. Again, again going back to my teenage self, it was just, I was so proud I was getting it. Yep. It was like, it was, you know, it taught me, gave me the tools to tackle, tackle Dr. Strangelove and bigger satire. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's good. Yeah. Those things are important when you're a kid, when you watch a movie that's sort of, um, you realize maybe it's going over the head of some of the other people in the audience, but like, oh my god, I kind of dig this. Yeah, I mean, those things that definitely like that those movies make uh, become very special to you. Yeah, or somebody out there has my sense of humor. Like when I first saw Bottle Rocket, I was like, sure. oh, and nobody else is laughing, and I'm like, this is my sense of humor. I love that. Yeah, exactly. Well, that because uh, a lot uh, it's happened to me a lot uh, in, in like test screens of my of our films where uh, we'll have a joke in there and um, there'll be one person who laughs their head off, but the rest of the audience says, and Scott and I'll be like, all right, cool. Because we, we know that, that that guy is, um, <laughs> is like, people. for him, that's his best joke. That is the most amazing thing about the movie. But I remember the producer would come in and and try to cut that out, those that stuff out because he said, that actually is working against you because that person's laughing and his laughter is making the rest of the audience angry because they don't understand. They know they know oh. that they're stupid because there's a joke that they didn't get. And also, the one person who laughed loves your movie even more. Yeah, because, <laughs> because nobody because else gets it. Yeah. like so that, it's always oh a, that's what happens at test screenings. That's literally that's that. interesting. That's how movies get cut to shreds because and how the best stuff gets lost. Well, I do have to tell you while I have you here that one of the films my friends and I watched repeatedly in the 90s was Ed Wood. And it was partly because we got the humor and we got the movie love and what you guys were doing in that. So, okay. yeah. So thank you for that. Yes. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, this was kind of you talked about the tonal swings. I think that's where it goes wrong and semi-tough. It's like, is this a football movie? Is it a rom-com? Now we're in the new age stuff. But I love the performances. I like Burt Reynolds being kind of romantically charming. He did a movie that I really enjoy called Starting Over. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so this is kind of if you like starting over that side of Bert, you might enjoy this. I love Jill Clayburg. It's cool to see Chris Christopherson. So it was a good watch, um, but the movie itself doesn't really work. I think maybe the S stuff played a lot better back then, possibly. What did you I guys? Don't, I don't know. When I first saw the movie, I had much the same reaction. Like, yeah. this is not working. But <laughs> but but now. Rewatching it, I, I'm so starved for anything that's not normal. Anything that's yeah. well, this is a big mess, but like, <laughs> it's I, don't know what's in the, I don't know what's in this gumbo, but I love the taste of it. And like, yeah, yeah. And, you know, as, as a writer, I've always been accused of I've never met a tone I didn't like. So, tonal shifts, yeah. me messy tonal shifts that don't quite work. Hey, they're trying, friend. 
Yeah, my memory, uh, a very similar reaction to Dan. And we, I mean, it's really funny. We, uh, we, we didn't, we thought we'd watch these movies together and we didn't. And then, then Larry watched them all back to back over one weekend. Yeah. So we actually, we actually haven't really talked about the films, but I had a similar reaction to Semi Tough, where like my memory of seeing it in the 70s was meh, kind of, I wouldn't say a whiff, but it was just kind of like Star mm-hmm. Vehicle. Uh, you know, k- kind of good, but not really special to me. And watching it this time, it was a Michael Ritchie movie. You know, it felt like, oh, this is, I, I kind of enjoyed it. And I remember at the time thinking, you know, hey, I thought that I was promised a, like a sexy football movie. And this is actually like all about S. And I was like, I, 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 you know, I knew about S, but I didn't know, <laughs> you know, that's yeah. the way landing with me. This time, I, I, you know, it is definitely not a football movie. No, not at Close all. To, the, the bad despair, the smile, or think about those movies like bad or the Bears, great football. Wait, stop, stop. The great football movie, the Godfather football movies, which came out around the same time, is North Dallas Forty, yes. which oh. you can hear, which you can hear famous football fan screenwriter Daniel Waters on the commentary track of the Blu-ray now available. There everywhere. you go. There you go. <laughs> Got to get that plug out there. Yes. That is correct. I mean, that's a great movie, and Semi Tough is not a sports film. You know, and it's interesting because technically I can see why they hired Richie because, you know, way smile and prime and not prime capital smile and the candidate and bad news are about a business or a team or a thing, you know. Um that probably thought that's what they were getting with semi tough, but clearly I, my guess would be that Richie doesn't give a shit about football because the football is so secondary to everything else. And so when the movie switches gears to be a be a film about um about crazy, you know, self-help things. It is just kind of like, what the heck? And then then the, the movie is more about that than it is about football. And then it's also in the middle of this, you pointed out, there's a bit of a design for a living kind of like 1930 yeah. rom-com with two guys in love with the same girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think even Paul and Gail said, said uh, Chris Christopherson played the Ralph Bellamy role. Um, <laughs> but for me, the S stuff really made me laugh this time. Like just uh, once again, because Jen, I'm... Jen, do you, I don't think you have the same relationship with Bert Convy as we do, who played Bert the Con- best. He was the host of a game show called Tattletales. No, which had, I, I... Which had real life spices spouses. One was on a TV set in the back room, and the other was sitting there live. And they had oh a, no, Hollywood game, but Bert Convy was the host. So uh, I the, so that would have been way funnier. Yeah, he has just fascination that Bert Convy's got a real juicy role, and he's actually oh, that's doing. great. Yeah, it was a revelation when we saw it. It was oh my god, Bert Convy's can act. <laughs> I heard that was what really attracted Richie was the S stuff. Like he was working on the script, and like that was he was doubling down. So probably he wasn't a yeah. football fan. And, yeah. I, read, I read the I read the book. There's. No ass stuff in the book, <laughs> not, not an iota. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, I mean, just once again, Richie going for the documentary nature. When they cut to the crowd of the people um, uh, in the S seminar, there's one person with a person doing sign language, yes. you know, like an interpreter, and it just it's so thrown away. And it's just like, well, wait a second, this actually feels like a like you know they put up an ad at a Holiday Inn and they got fifty people to to come in there. Um, I will say it's interesting going back to the whole thesis of Michael Ritchie and winning the big game, winning the big contest that Burt Reynolds actually does score the winning touchdown in this movie, Mm. which I think is, which 
I think which I took to mean is that he doesn't hate football, that there's something unpretentious about Burt Reynolds winning the big game and and natural and down to earth and fun about it, that and, the other crappy us stuff is the stuff that's highfalutin and pretentious and doesn't really mean anything. Maybe. That's an maybe. interesting maybe. contrast, yeah. But I'm a football. Right. <laughs> you know, and also everyone always says S because that's the that's the key thing. But the fact that like once the S scene gets introduced, every other scene becomes about something like S. When when yeah. Carl, Weathers, Carl Weathers starts talking about pyramid power, dude, dude, gold, gold. Carl Weathers talking about pyramid power. Let's, so let's good. go down that alley for a second. Yeah. That was the clip that they showed on Cisco Niebert. <laughs> and, and my brother and I were obsessed with that clip. <laughs> pyramid power. Oh, oh, forget forget your thing. I'm talking about pyramid. So I got a little pyramid I used to wear around my neck for a little bit. And I swear to God, I felt an energy when I held that pyramid. Oh my God. <laughs> I think I did too. No, I mean, I was really like, that did fascinate me for a while. Like Spencer's gifts probably sold them or something. <laughs> wow. And, That's funny. Yeah. His career kind of falls off a cliff after that. Are there any that well, what's you... funny is is I read an interview with Richie and he says he starts talking about um he was bragging that John Simon put one of his movies in the top ten or something like this. And then he said, But you know what? I, I just stopped reading reviews after 1977. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> Good thing, pal. Up. I think I think he stopped doing a lot of things after 1977. <laughs> and then let's say Fletch is definitely a beloved movie that has a chair of laughs. Yes. Yeah. Doesn't belong in this August conversation, but yeah. It's entertaining. Yeah. And I'll throw, you know. Well, we like the survivors a bit. A bit. I movie. mean, here's the thing about Richie, even in these movies, and Semi Tough especially, there is no sense of narrative momentum. You know what I mean? It's like you really are. You really are traveling from good scene to good scene to good scene. And when the good scenes aren't there, which happens in semi-tough, it's just, you're just, there's no, there's no, he's not a plot guy. No. You know, they're, they're, it's anecdotal kind of filmmaking. And so when it doesn't, when he doesn't have something to lean back on, like a contest, you know, at the end of the day, even, yeah. if, even if they lose the contest, you still got to smile Oh, there's a contest going on. You still got a candidate. There's an election going on. You still got bad news bears. They got to play the game, you know. But once you someone get someone in pursuit of something, yeah, there's no, there's nothing going on. And so mm-hmm. you really live or die on how charming Gouldy Hawn is, or how funny Eddie Murphy is, or wh- whatever it is. There's a great contest at the couch what? trick. What the couch trick? Great contest. I'm kidding. <laughs> I've never seen it. I mean, the survivors had. I heard. Been, I heard he. Had, I heard he had a big divorce, so he had he just keep making money. Mm. Yeah, I'm sure. He, I'm sure that happens. I mean, people, but yeah. I think he wanted to work. At a certain point, these guys say, "I'm, I'm working," and yeah, you know, he had probably had a nicer house than Bogdanovich, you know, or or people who were so, you know, you know. So he was just like, "I'm, I'm working." Like, you know, he could get along with actors. And that's clearly what happens with like with Redford and stuff like this. He got, you know, felt very comfortable being brought in on movies. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, sometimes it worked. Like Fletch, I'm I'm less of a fan of Fletch than everybody in the world is, but mm-hmm, I recognize me too. there are funny things in Fletch. Yeah. He actually bought the house where uh, Marilyn passed away. So right. he did oh. have quite a yes. Hollywood. Uh, quite a mortgage. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. 
But the survivors at least has a dark element to it. You know what I mean? It's uh, it's not it's not up there with little murders. It's more like neighbors, maybe in terms of like <laughs> you know, kind of like that. Better than neighbors better than neighbors, but I get what you're saying. Yeah. Um, and I think that Ron Williams, he found a way to ground Ron Williams' wackiness in a real character, I thought. Ooh. Yeah, that's funny, because I actually wrote down, Robin Williams can't play a real person. And But, <laughs> but that being said, maybe I wrote it down because I was like saying, oh, it's it, it starting to feel like he was getting close and getting close and, and, and you know, moving out of it, you know. Um, uh, Mathow, once again, is great, though. I mean, uh, usually about the, I would say about the survivors and maybe about Fletch, too, is that that it's so hit and miss, but it, the jokes do land. There are jokes that make you laugh, um, you know, and sometimes it's just I'm, I'll be the only person laughing at this in the theater. I think one point Walter Matthau, he, he's talking about his, uh, his war record. He's like, I was in the big one, Korea. <laughs> well, well, it was big to me. You know, was the, you know. Well, see, I, I see. Maybe I'm a little kinder to Fletch, I'm a little kinder to the survivors because I've seen them all. Yeah. I saw the couch trip. I saw the co- and Jen says she might have seen Cops and Robbins in a the theater, but I don't I remember. I think so. Yeah. Just I remember there's a scene where Chevy Chase has got to run a rope up and down the staircase, and it's just like <laughs> this. Michael Richard just locked down the camera and said, "Be funny, Chevy." And yeah. It's like watching. <laughs> It's like watching a snuff film. It's just like locking on oh. camera, watching somebody die. It's so we usually watch our snuff films. There's that second or third film at night, you know. <laughs> Even though we might fall asleep. Yeah, this is like a Barbara Hershey. Did. <laughs> One movie that 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 gets no time. I did watch uh, an almost perfect affair, which okay, I don't know that one. And it's um, it's sort of Richie doing his documentary thing. At the Cannes Film Festival, where Keith Carradine is is, is brought a film and his film gets confiscated, he's trying to get his film to show. Uh, show and then there's like, oh my god, I did see that. Yes, yeah. okay. And, there's a, and he falls in love with Monica Vitti, who's who's married to yes. sort of like, uh, Carla Ponte kind of guy. And there's a there's a guy I think Dick Dick Anthony Williams is playing Fred Williamson character, and it's full of just little cameos. Oh, there's Rona Barrett. Oh, there's there's, there's Rex Reed. There's Roger. <laughs> oh, Mazursky, Farah. You know, it's it's full of things like that. Uh, even if I think Sergio Leone pops up, but <laughs> it it sort of you almost feel like you know you were saying earlier that all these films are kind of about filmmaking. Richie turned the camera on his his self mm-hmm. on, on the industry, and it's just kind of lays there. It's kind of dead, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, and the it's satire when he, was... does, when he does get satire, it's sort of that those lame kind of jokes like. You know, Charles Bronson is right. I'm gonna make Charles Bronson in a streetcar named Desire and stuff like that, which is just like you you feel like yeah. goes out the window. Yeah, it was more creative when he was making movies about filmmaking that don't on the surface appear to be about filmmaking. Yeah. And I can see maybe that because that movie's late 70s. Maybe that's a movie that broke his heart. Maybe that's well, what I tried to put it make. I mean, did he did he did he write that one? Because you know, Maybe it's know. the fact that he tried to write one, and instead of working with great screenwriters, he's... he does work with great screenwriters. I mean, Jerry Belson, we didn't talk yeah. about. Yeah, who wrote Smile? Uh, he's a definitely a uh, you know uh, Walter Bernstein's on Semi Tough. He's a legend. You know, um, there's a big screenwriter on The Survivors too. I forget who that is. That's uh, I mean, yeah. So everybody's everybody's you know, he's working with a list people there. Yeah, maybe maybe we should stop blaming Michael Richie and just blame that the you know it's not, not the, what what it's glorious. It's the test like. screenings. 
and the jokes got small. The screen, the screenplays got worse. Oh, it, and that's why maybe like cheerleading mom. Um, feels yeah, like come back because like Jane is Jane is a really good screenwriter. It feels like a Jane Anderson movie. Um, it's funny that what's the what is the title of that movie? It's like the 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 absolutely true adventures of the alleged of the cheerleading positively mom. true adventures of the alleged Texas cheerleading murdering mom. Apparently, Holly Hunter, I remember, was fabulous. Yeah. Yes, it had like a different title, and Michael Ritchie brings it back to the beginning of his career. The f- thing that put him on the map is he directed a a play called like "Oh Dad, Poor Dad, Mom's Hung Herself in the Closet." So sad. Yeah. And, oh yeah, when he was at Harvard. Yeah. yeah. And so, and that was his first success. And so, mm-hmm. when the Cheerleading Mom movie came up, it had like a long title, and they're like, "We it didn't have that title, but mm-hmm. it had a shorter title." And he's like, "No, no, 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 no." Let's go back and make one of those big long titles like Oh Dad, Poor Dad. Because you know what? When people look at the TV guide for the thing, they've got to print the whole title. So it's going to be a yeah. big space for the movie. <laughs> so he was being trying to be clever. And yeah, because and, you know, no, but I like, think I think part of it was that she was still on trial and they had oh, allegedly. So they so that they, could be let, cover let, the bases. Let, 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 instead yeah. of calling murdering murdering Texas mom, let's make let's let's lean into it. Yeah. Let's the tr- the it. true story, yeah, the true stories of the alleged. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like that year there were like three Amy Fisher movies on TV and they had to kind of differentiate the titles, yeah. like yeah. my story yeah. and yes. Fish. <laughs> The Joey Buttafuoco story. Yes, exactly. Jeez, I'm going like to order the cheerleading movie off the off the um, off the internet and watch it because we couldn't find it streaming. But I'm going okay. to watch it, rewatch it, and and yeah. we'll never know what I think of it. But that's good. You know, um, I tried a... to watch. I tried to watch the island. Okay. Watched... Don't fuck with the island, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I, watched, I watched 10 minutes of it and it was oh God. 10 minutes of it boy one of those guys well, it, you know, once i got to the island and it became these like bogus pirates running around it really you know uh, let me tell I, you oh, i boy. wish every action movie ended like the island does where well, the, i didn't get there so where the but Agnes sneaks up and just machine guns everyone all at once <laughs> thanks for spoiling it no, i'm just kidding <laughs> You guys are going to have to do one of your triple features and make the island is, is number two or just, three. If we just watch the last half hour, I'll... Well, I think my, 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 24, my 48 hour rental period is already <laughs> in. So I'm not going to get to it. You're like, I'm not paying another two ninety nine. No, I'm not kidding. No. <laughs> um, oh, man. The, uh, the one that I was, I was really curious if you ended up watching ever, Jen, that I... I, I Remember, I actually bought the DVD when it came out, and I got very excited about it for some reason. Because and Richie's really, really proud of it, but I can't get through more than five minutes. Is the Fantastics? Did you watch the Fantastics? I've Richie? never seen that. No. Yeah, so he's really I saw proud. it. Huh. It looks. Awful. I saw it. Is it awful? The dream. No, that's Man of Matcha. Um, <laughs> the lead guy. Try to remember the end of December. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm friends with the female lead of the movie, so I got that's why I saw it. But um, it's it's kind of where did this movie come from? Like it doesn't. It seems a movie out of time. Like it doesn't. Certainly not noticing any Michael Ritchie aesthetics that will bring mm. it back to the conversation. Mm. But it's not he's bad. Very, he's very proud of it. It's not bad. Mm. The yeah. lead, like a lead guy, gives like this 
huge, huge Jackman. I'm a star. Chris Band performance. Never heard of him before or after. Interesting. I think we're going to send a lot of people on a Michael Ritchie journey here. So I think, yeah, you're welcome, people. Exactly. Discover all of these and then hit us up and let us know what you think. Yeah. Discover them and then stop. Stop exploring. (laughs) It's funny, Dan. When I uh, when I was looking things up about about Michael Ritchie. That yeah, you know, I do trailers from hell, and and um, yeah. I was like, oh, who who's who? Maybe them, someone must have done Michael Ritchie movies. And our friend Jessica Bendinger does does the three ones. She she does uh, Smile, oh. Bad News Bears, and The Candidate, and she worships oh, Michael Ritchie. She's she's the woman who wrote Bring It On. And if you look at Bring It oh, On, cool. On is definitely has that Michael Ritchie. Yeah, you can see a little smile there. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Wow, well, she wanna, she yeah. should have been the guest, not us. Yeah. I didn't realize until last night. I would, I probably would have invited her to join us because she was yeah. she Michael Ritchie. Oh. Amazing. We'll have to do a Michael Ritchie revisited. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Or any other topic you guys have, just let me know. I want to thank you so much for doing this. It was a real pleasure. What was your favorite movie that we made you watch? What was what Michael Ritchie movie jumped out at you the best? What, 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 well, what? I I love the Bad News Bears, so that's probably going to be my favorite. But watching this time around, I think, you know, I loved Smile, but it had been so long since I saw it, and so I would say probably Smile might be the one. How about you guys? Do you have, which is your favorite? I know Dan loves those three. Do you have a solid favorite? I I I do know the last time I saw Smile. I was like, this is just made my top. This has made it into the hot 100, my top favorite favorite films of all time. So, ooh, do you have a letterbox going with the, the hot 100? Larry, Larry's got a hot 500 going. Yeah, I'm, a bit, I'm a bit intimidated by that, but yeah. Um, for me, uh, the bad news bears, yeah, news bears is kind of perfect, it is. It's hard to top. Yes. Uh, the uh, a smile has some like some it's really great, but it does have tonal issues here and there. Tonal <laughs> issues. I'm also not a gigantic oh, movie in any in any in any form, but uh, he's he's good in this. And the candidate, I wouldn't say I've gotten down in my estimation, but maybe the the empty suit factor, the Trump factor, and maybe even the woke factor where we're like he's really just a the he's just a rich, good looking white guy who's yeah. Who's, it can you know it's sort of no. it's sort of, it uh, it sort of it diminishes this an iota and so can uh, can it's they, a little long can they yeah. went up like how dare I keep candidate off my list because it, this <laughs> is a seminal movie in my life uh, yeah. that's a great so Mason one. probably I think both 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 those two are probably in my in my top hundred the omen the omen probably still keeps pen his bears out of my top hundred there you go. <laughs> <laughs> you're like that damn omen yes yes well dan larry i want to thank you guys so much you're welcome this was fun always lovely to finally meet yeah. yeah anytime come on back i also want to thank everyone for listening especially my patrons who support the show and help fund my research equipment film rentals RSS fees, and more for as little as a dollar per month at the Film Intuition Patreon, which is the home base for the show. 
other ways you can support the podcast are by sharing, reviewing, and subscribing to Watch with Jen wherever you get your podcasts, and also checking out the cool merch store hosted and created by our talented logo designer, Kate Gabrielle. You can find the merchandise store, including shirts, tote bags, stickers, and more by visiting filmintuition.com and clicking on the shop link. The show's theme music is solo acoustic guitar by Jason Shaw and is available in the free music archive. You can also reach me or interact with Watch With Jen anytime on Twitter, either at Film Intuition or our Watch With Jen account as well. Well, until next time, please take care and happy movie watching. This is Jen Johans at FilmIntuition.com and FilmIntuition on social media and Letterboxd. And this is Watch with Jen.